Listener Production. Did you know that there's a black market in the trade of breast milk? The reason there is a black market in breast milk is because we are seeing an increase in adults seeking to access breast milk for consumption as well as infants. Today on Fee Play Love, should breast milk donations be regulated? Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. I wonder if you know someone who hasn't been able to breastfeed but still wants to provide breast milk for their child. It's not an easy thing to find and some people turn to donations through Facebook groups. Now, researchers from Monash and Deakin Universities are calling for the exchange of breast milk to be regulated. In a new paper, they warn that the current informal process is risky for babies and that breast milk should be considered tissue and treated in the same way as blood donations with regulations and safeguards in place. Dr Nira Batia is an Associate Professor at Deakin Law School and the lead author of the paper. Hi Nira, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. So how big is this market for breast milk in Australia? Um, it's increasing over the past couple of years. It's, it's increased in terms of the demand um, for breast milk um, and the number of, of people, individuals that are, are seeking to access breast milk. And what we've seen is an increase from who you'd expect to be the, the cohort of our society or community seeking to access breast milk for consumption, where you just assume and expect it to be um, babies, infants. And what we've seen is an increase in that number and cohort to increase for infants and babies, but also expanding to um, to adults. And adults are, have been seeking to access breast milk for consumption too. Um, and that is adults seeking breast milk for um, consumption because they are interested in seeking the benefits that come with with breast milk in terms of the components of breast milk. It does seem an unusual spike. As you say, we would assume most people trying to get breast milk would be after it for their babies if they can't produce breast milk themselves or if there's a reason why they can't give their baby enough breast milk. So I'm just wondering, do we know why this increase is happening in adults now? Like, has some shock jock got on the airwaves and said breast milk is really good for adults' health as well? I don't think it's really a case of a, a, a shock jock. I think over over time we've seen an evolution and we've seen sort of peaks and troughs of this over, over a period of history, really, where breast milk was... Um, historically, it was it was given to infants, and it was we've always known breast milk to be considered as the best source of nutrition for infants. And if you look back through history, mothers and parents turned to wet nurses for for breast milk um, because of its its you know its properties. And also, there wasn't artificial milk or, or formula back historically. And then we saw this period of time where artificial formula um, and, you know, formula that we find in tins in the supermarket now, the chemist, and that was really pushed and driven as, you know, you can give this to your infants and it's, you know, convenient and all the rest. And then we saw 
I guess, a wave again through sort of global agencies pushing the importance of breast milk or promoting, I should say, the importance of breast milk through, you know, the World Health Organization is probably a good example where they they really tried to promote the importance of breast milk, especially in the first, say, six months of an infant's life and talked about, you know, and we, we talked sort of colloquially about this breast is best mantra. And I think over time, that's probably seen some some promotion through the wider community. And we probably see a lot more parents now understanding the importance and the properties that come with breast milk and wanting to ensure at least for, say, the first three to six months. I think what's probably happened over time is those properties that come with human milk. It includes, you know, proteins and fats and and carbohydrates. And you can probably see where I'm going with this is that there is a cohort of adults that think, well, if those properties are so invaluable and so good for infants, you know, some of our most vulnerable citizens, then I should perhaps be drinking this too. And we've seen it in our research, at least extend to uh, cancer patients. And also during the pandemic, people that, um, we're trying to consume or get access to, to breast milk because they thought it would assist them in perhaps not getting COVID because of these, um, you know, the uh, properties that come um, with, with breast milk. Hearing all of that, I, I'm wondering, is, is part of the um, drive to regulate the industry also about ensuring that, as you just said, they're our most vulnerable citizens, that is babies, <laughs> Is, is part of the push to regulate it to make sure that they are getting access to breast milk because they're the ones that are in greatest need? I mean, I'm not sure how I feel about... <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about bodybuilders wanting to, to drink breast milk, but I, I do know that there are many cases where their, their mothers can't supply enough milk or any milk at all, and it can still be hard for them to access breast milk. I mean, is this part of the reason why you're regu- trying to regulate the supply of it? Absolutely. And that's our main driver. So just to be clear, we, we don't, we're not sort of pushing for the regulation of breast milk to help adults. If that's sort of a separate community, if they, they want to, fine. But the, our main focus is how do we ensure the safety of breast milk for infants. And we talk about the vulnerability of this particular cohort of our community, and that's infants. And we want to ensure that we can work towards the regulation and safe access of breast milk for infants. And you've you've talked, you've hit the nail on the head. So at the moment, we have um, a very limited number of, of milk banks throughout the country, throughout Australia. There's about six of them. And they're great and wonderful. However, they only serve um, a very limited number of infants and they are really sick of very premature infants. And they're the only ones that can, unfortunately at the moment, access milk through those formal banks. Now, we know that there's a whole range of other infants that we think should be able to um, access safe, screened, stored breast milk, which they're not able to at the moment, but we must ensure that it is safe. And at the moment, we're in this sort of legal regulatory limbo in this vacuum of not knowing anything to do with its definition. Number one, it's not defined as a tissue or a food. Um, And also, as I say, it's this sort of state of limbo in terms of its regulation. 
Can you talk us through some of the dangers of unregulated donations or sales of, of breast milk? So you just mentioned there that um, if you set up regulation, then we would know that the milk was safe for consumption. Many listeners will know um, themselves how to store their own breast milk safely. How do you how do you make it safe when it's going to be transported and given to others? So there's there's a number of I guess contributory factors we need to consider. We would we hope, and I'm sure that those that are are donating breast milk at the moment through through social media and those that are seeking to uh, be recipients of that breast milk do so I guess through a system of trust and they trust that the milk that they are receiving and the milk that has been donated um, has come from a person who um, you know isn't carrying a, a communicable disease doesn't have pet B or or HIV um, and that's the system of trust that we're working on however there's there's a n- number of things that might happen where those factors do come into play. And, of course, the first is that you might end up um, with the potential risk of, of vulnerable recipients of that milk being infants, being exposed to the potential of a communicable disease or, or bacterially contaminated milk. So that's the first issue that, that we think is clearly a red flag as to why we need to regulate breast milk we need to make sure that it's safe um, and with all the will in the world someone who's donating milk might not even realize that the milk that they're, they're donating altruistically and they're doing something that is a good deed and is uh, you know a gift might actually put another person being an, an infant here by and large at risk so we need to ensure that milk is not contaminated there's also issues here of, uh, around potential exploitation and there are issues around if we got into a system, and this is just theoretically, where there were markets for milk, well, you might find that someone is so heavily invested in um, selling milk that they don't leave enough for their own child. And we don't want to get into a system where there's a market for milk. And the best way we think of those two, two issues to be best captured and to ensure we don't end up with those types of risks is to regulate and we propose regulation um, in the same way that we pro- we regulate blood. Yeah, I mean, I was wondering if you'd suggest it's a it's a little bit like surrogacy in that case, even though there are there are complications and challenges around surrogacy in Australia as well. But the whole point of surrogacy being purely altruistic was the idea that it wouldn't end up exploiting uh, people who are vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, it's in, it's in a similar vein. It's really about trying to avoid exploitation, but our main focus is really around the safety aspect. And it, it only takes one batch of contaminated breast milk, which can have really adverse consequences that may lead to what at the moment, as I say, is the state of limbo. But what happens in that instance? You know, will it open up? a space for legal recourse where you have a situation where um, an infant um, is very adversely um, affected and impacted by um, contaminated milk and it might be contamination at the point that it is, you know, um, 
put into uh, you know a bag, the the point in which it's um, you know defrosted, the point in which it's stored, the way it's contained. Like there's so many different stages at which we think there's definitely a need for it to be stored and screened. It's sort of quite mind-boggling if you think about the fact that you could go on Saturday to, you know, um, go and do some shopping um, at a hardware store and you could buy a sausage at a sausage sizzle and know that that's far more regulated than giving breast milk to an infant, um, mm. which has no regulation around it. It's it's actually quite unfathomable. Yeah. Are there any other countries that do have a good model of regulation of breast milk? Yes. So at the moment, there's um, there's a range of countries. There's about 66 countries that have different um, milk banking systems in place. Brazil has one of the best models in, in place at the moment in the way that they um, have the donation and, and peer-to-peer system of, of milk sharing, but also their milk banking system is is one of the world leaders at the moment. Um, I think Australia is really lagging behind other countries in terms of where we are with the with milk banking, um, and I, I don't think it's it's not um, something that cannot be fixed. I think it's a it's an issue that can be resolved, and it can be resolved quite quite sensibly and quite rationally. Now, this is uh, just playing devil's advocate here, but I'm wondering if part of the conversation needs to be about this message that breast is best, because particularly in Australia, the formula we have access to is great. It's, it's, it's fine for kids. No child is going to become unwell from having formula. And I'm wondering if part of the issue with the supply of breast milk is this intense pressure that has inadvertently come on to mothers after we've sort of passed on this message that breast is best. Like we know that it is, but I have spoken to so many women who have been so distraught that they weren't able to breastfeed because this message is just so prevalent throughout all our hospitals, all our midwifery programs. It's what they hear all the time. And I'm wondering if that's part of if that's playing into the challenges of supply of breast milk. I agree with you. I agree with you that this, and we refer to it in our paper as the mantra, and we say that there's this mantra, and it is, it's it's a, a social mantra that I think has found its way into our society, that breast is best. And I totally agree with you that there probably is this, this pressure for mothers and parents to to provide breast milk and they might feel a sense of failure if they don't. And I think that's something that we need to balance very carefully with being able to or feeling that you you can. Um, if you can, that's great. And and if you can't, that it's not the end of the world. And I think we need to we need to work better at that. And I think that comes down to um probably a lot better messaging from from a societal perspective and, and attitudinal changes too. And, and again, I come back to this idea around milk banks. And if we had greater access to safe milk and safe milk bank banks and greater milk banks, more of them than the six that we have that have limited um, access for sick babies, I think we need to offer alternatives. And we don't have those alternatives at the moment. By no means are we naive, however, in thinking that, you know, if we regulate breast milk, it will drive out this underground market that we have. We don't think that it will entirely drive out that underground market, but we do think that 
it might mitigate against some of this potential risk that we currently have. So if you have two options where you can go onto marketplace or onto the internet and buy unscreened milk from you know a social media site, or you know that there's access to safe, stored, screened milk that's available to a broad range of infants, not just sick or premature infants, um, I think many parents will take option B, which is the screened, stored, safe milk, Mm. over a marketplace option. And I think we need to offer those alternatives. Yeah, absolutely. As we've spoken about in this chat, for most people, this is an altruistic thing and we are still not in a place where it's regulated. What would your advice be to anyone at the moment who is either receiving or donating milk? At the moment, I'd say to to really think carefully about the messaging that you're sending with with that milk, about it being safe, about thinking about if you're donating, to think really carefully about how you're storing that milk, how you're containing that milk, about being really honest about your lifestyle before you you donate. And while you might might have all the will in the world to say, I'm doing something that is really altruistic and this is a gift, only do so if you know that you are following a really clean lifestyle and that you know that that milk is safe. And I even saying this, I'm saying this to you while I'm really pushing for the regulation of milk and it feels a bit icky saying this because I don't really want to promote this this practice um, when I think it should be it should be regulated. But those that are donating do need to really really think about the safe storage, the safe, you know, containment of that milk and and think about their lifestyle choices. And those that are are seeking breast milk from these internet sites and, and social media sites need to really think about the broader consequences of of choosing those options, which is either by by great necessity or by just choice is to really think about the broader consequences and think about the potential for adverse consequences if for any any reason and it might just be sheer bad luck or or it might be that that batch of milk happens to be contaminated in some way and to really think seriously about what you're you're providing to um to a vulnerable citizen which is an infant. Nira, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. That's Dr. Nira Batia. She's an associate professor at Deakin Law School. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love, a listener original podcast. If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the listener app. And don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.